Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Thursday, April 15th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Well, Hoynesy, the uh, the Indians are getting out of town in Chicago with a split against the White Sox in their first meeting, a four-game series. Uh, they come back uh, after trailing one nothing through most of the game. Uh, they get a big home run from Jose Ramirez in the uh, the series finale, and they go on to beat the White Sox four to two. Uh, really, uh, they, they they managed to to get to Lance Lynn, which is something that nobody had been able to do yet. Yeah, it was that was a, a big game for them to win, Joe. It wasn't it wasn't the cleanest game in the world. Uh, you know, they they kind of kicking the ball around at the end of the in the late innings, but a big big win I thought to come out of Chicago with a split, especially after getting no hit the night before. Uh, you know, Savali, you know, just keeps getting better and better to me. Yeah, you, you think about it. Terry Francona has never managed a, a game after losing a no hitter. Uh, you know, in, in, in his 3,100 or so uh, managerial games in the in, in major leagues, uh, he's never been no hit. One of his teams has never been no hit. So what was it? It had to be weird for him to come into the, the clubhouse the next day and and just sort of have to turn the page with these guys. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, you know, with him, it's always the day of the, the game you're playing that day is the most important game. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It just doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, try to win the game in front of you. And I'm sure that served him well and obviously uh, served his team pretty well, too, because, like you said, they came back and uh, won't beat a, a tough pitcher, uh, you know, a really a tough club that is going to be, you know, they're going to be going neck and neck, it seems like, all year, and especially coming after after that that no-hitter by Carlos Rondon, Rondon on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, we'll get into, you know, what this sort of means for the two clubs later on in the season, uh, you know, later on in this podcast. But I uh, just wanted to we'll, – we'll, and we'll dive into Rodon's uh, no-hitter here in a second. Uh, Jose Ramirez uh, coming through. He was 0 for 19, entering that at bat in the sixth inning. Uh, you, you had a runner on base, and I believe it was Cesar Hernandez. And um, – Ramirez, Jimenez, Jimenez hit the ground rule double. Oh, uh, Jimenez hit the ground rule double. You're right. Uh, so you had Ramirez facing Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn throws almost exclusively fastballs. He 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 throws fastballs that all move in different directions, 
he cuts them, he sinks them, he does all sorts of different things with his fastballs. But primarily, Jose Ramirez is, you know, a, a dead red fastball hitter. Uh, you'd think that matchup favors Jose Ramirez, you know, nine out of ten times. Yeah, I mean, you can't throw it hard enough uh, to get it past Jose. But, you know, the, uh, the in the three previous games, they've been beating him with the high fastball, you know, getting him to chase out of the zone. And uh, Lynn just left this – it wasn't high enough, you know, it, it, it kind of, it stayed almost just above his belt and, and Jose put a great swing on that ball. That was a pretty, a pretty swing and uh, a tough, tough day to get the, get the ball out of the park. Cause it was cold, man. It, it yeah. looked cold. I wasn't there, but <laughs> no, I, believe me, it was cold and they had the press box windows open and uh, typing was not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, just watching Ramirez's home run, like you said, it, it was a majestic. It, was, it only went, what, 392 feet, something like that. But it was majestic. It, it floated out there. And then uh, it didn't spend long in the stands. It, it got tossed right back out onto the field. The, uh, the folks in Chicago were none too happy. Uh, Aaron Savali comes out, uh, gives up the run in the first inning, and then really just sort of locks in after that. Uh, he lasted six innings, had traffic pretty much throughout the game, scattered a bunch of hits. But when he needed to make his pitches, he made his pitches and got out of trouble. You know, you got to love the way this guy's pitching, Joe. I mean, he's beat the Tigers first his first two starts. He, you know, he wins today. I mean, he gets the win today, right? Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He got the win today. He's three and zero, and you know, he just like you said, he makes big pitches when he has to, and nothing seems to rattle him. You know, you 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 don't see that. Uh, you don't see. That, that, you know, he's not walking around the mound when things are going bad. He's not pulling his socks up or down or his pants up and down, you know, his, his legs on his pants up and down. He just, you know, kind of gets back in there, rocks into that new delivery of his and, and keeps throwing. Yeah, it's a, it was really great to watch him just attack hitters and and really not back down. I mean, he's facing Jose Abreu, uh, you know, with, with runners on base and he's striking him out. He's, he's – And he's using all of his pitches, using all of his pitches effectively. Uh, I thought he threw some really great breaking balls today. Uh, Again, uh, Tito just loves the way that this kid competes. And you can tell that he's getting – it's it's totally appropriate that Aaron Savali is wearing Josh uh, Tomlin's old number because I think he's working his way into, uh, you know, that sort of favor with with, uh, Terry Francona, just the way he's pitching and the way he presents himself. Yeah, Josh Tomlin is uh, like Francona has probably has a picture of, of Tomlin <laughs> above the fireplace, his fireplace if he has one in Arizona, because he was his guy, man. He he loved Tomlin. He and uh and Tomlin is still pitching. He's still pitching right. for Atlanta. So, you know, good for him. But uh, you know, I think Savali has a little more stuff than Tomlin probably does. Probably probably throws a little harder, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, Tomlin was just kind of a junkyard dog kind of guy. He just <laughs> would do anything for you. There's never been a better time to register for Indian Subtext and get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com and you can text us directly with your questions and opinions on everything from the team's name 
to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years, and uh, my son was born and raised here, and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even He's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore Indian fan. <laughs> so thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians, and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians, or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian Subtext. Uh, well, speaking of junkyard dogs, there was a dog in the fight uh, early in the ballgame. Uh, Adam Eaton uh, has a base hit to right field with a runner on. Tim Anderson sort of uh, sort of decoyed Josh Naylor out in right field. He slowed up between second and third and gave Naylor the idea to maybe try and throw him out. So Naylor uncorks a throw to third base. Uh, Eaton tries to go into second behind him, and Ramirez made a nice play to come up with the ball and, and throw to, to the bag where Eaton overslid the bag. You know, maybe – Andres Jimenez, uh, you know, lifts his leg up a little bit, gets him off yeah. the base, and then uh, tags him out. Uh, the umpire t- uh, called him out. Uh, Eaton reacted, uh, two-hand shoved to Jimenez's chest, and then the bench is cleared. It was not totally unexpected the, na- the, the morning after a no-hitter, I guess. Uh, you, you get to, to celebrate in front of the guys. They, they, get, they get sort of tired of taking it after not getting a hit in a ball game. Uh, you were going to see some sparks fly. Yeah, you know, Eaton is that kind of player. He's kind of just a kind of a pain in the butt. If I guess if he's not, if if you're playing against him and and maybe you like him, somebody maybe you like him when if he's playing with with your team because there was a lot when he first played with the White Sox the first time around. There there was you know I don't think anybody was was sorry to see him leave. So you know and I don't know if, you know so Eaton you know I was checking. He got hit three times in this series. So and one today too. So well, he got hit right after that fight. Yeah, he or the, yeah. the I, we can't call it a fight really because no punches were thrown. But uh, his next appearance, and it sure looked to me like he stuck his elbow out to to get that one. Uh, but yeah, and, no. yeah, and he that's what he does. So you know he he uh, you know he brings it on of uh, himself. But I, I was glad to see Jimenez. You know, Jimenez just kind of didn't, didn't back down, and uh, and Hernandez jumped right in there between them. So right. that, that was good. And Jimenez who knows, maybe, maybe that Jimenez, sparked him a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Jimenez, being 22 years old, didn't back down, but he also didn't do anything stupid. He didn't throw any yeah. punches. He didn't get himself in a situation where he was going to get tossed. And Terry Francona talked about that in the post game. He said, you know, hey, what's the situation? If Eaton jumps up and shoves him, you know, Jimenez didn't do anything, but had he done something yeah. and then punches start getting thrown, he gets tossed when Eaton was the one who instigated the whole thing. So uh, Eaton talked about facing Jimenez and facing uh, or competing against Hernandez and Jimenez because they all they all were playing in the National League East up until last year. So there there's familiarity there. I guess they sort of they see Eaton in the, at, at the plate and they're like, oh, this guy again sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
maybe it sparked the Indians. Maybe it didn't. They, they sure didn't do anything for the next four innings. So it's not yeah. like it was a, a, you know, a really big deal, but you know, just to get through that and come out of there with a win uh, the way they did, it, it showed a lot. And I think it, it, it meant a lot to them because as we're talking to Terry Francona on the zoom after the game, I don't know if you could hear it, but in the background, they had the music cranked up. Yeah, there was, yeah. There was some dancing. There was some celebrating. Even though it was just a series split, you know, you didn't come into Chicago and let them push you around uh, as much as, you know, they might have liked to. Yeah, I thought I thought that was, uh, you know, a pretty good moment right there. Uh, but the best thing is they, they came back and they won. You know, you, you can like uh, roll around in the dirt with somebody, but if you get beat, you still get beat, you know? So uh, they came, they came back and uh, the bullpen came through again, uh, um, you know, and they got some, you know, they added on too. They, they, they kept, you know, they kept going for a change. They, it was, it was only four runs, but it seemed like, you know, 24, 24 runs the way this offense has been struggling. Right. And, uh, you know, it turns out they needed to add on at the end because Emmanuel Class A uh, did give up a run. It was unearned because of the error on uh, uh, the part of Andres Jimenez. And really, uh, the, the triple that uh, Luis Robert hit there in the ninth inning, kind of a fluky play. Uh, Josh Naylor maybe didn't make the best play on the ball while it was in the air. I think he sort of lost track of where he was in relation to the wall. Maybe could have made the catch. Uh, but then the ball bounces off the track and up into the netting uh, off the field, the, the extended netting. And I guess Terry Francona said that's in play. As long as the ball hits the ground, bounces up and then, and then comes back like that, it's, you know, fair game. And that's why Robert was on third base instead of second. Yeah. You know, it looked to me like, you know, uh, uh, Naylor thought it was a ground rule double. He, because he really didn't react well, at least watching it, watching it on TV, he didn't jump, you know, he didn't run, you know, he didn't pounce on the ball and get it in as fast as he could. It, it, it reminded me of the time uh, uh, Manny Ramirez had, you know, watching inside the park home run, go under, under a bench down the right field line in, in the Astrodome. And, you know, somebody, I forget who's running around the bases and Manny's sitting in the outfield, like waving his hands, like it's a ground rule double. It was probably Biggio. I'm, I'm sure it was. I, it could have been. But, uh, yeah, it does not surprise me that a misplay in right field reminded you of, of something that Manny Ramirez did. Uh, it's not a shocker at all. Uh, but Class A being out there, uh, I, I, at one point he had like six of his nine pitches to, to one. I don't know how many pitches he threw total, but uh, quite a few of them were up over 101 on the on the radar gun. Uh, again, it's it's appointment watching television when uh, when this guy takes the mound. It's fun to watch this guy come out of the pen. Uh, I turned to a couple of the, the Chicago reporters in the press box and said, hey, have you seen this guy? And they had no idea. And by the time the inning was over, they were like, wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah. And we saw that that, you know, the, the three kind of headed monster again out of the bullpen you know, with Whitgren, Karinchek, and Class A, you know, closing that game out. And uh, they all pitched well. You know, I thought Whitgren really looked sharp, and that, that was good to see because he had kind of stubbed his toe the first couple times out. I think the uh, the T-shirt for the three of them should be in no particular order and uh, and then have their <laughs> names on the back because uh, it's they, they were used in a variety of ways and, and combinations in this series. Uh, Class A and Karinchek both picking up saves uh, in the series. So, uh, again, just, a, a you definitely feel better coming out of this series and heading to Cincinnati, 
having having split things and the way things ended than you know maybe uh, at about midnight last night when uh, it looked like wow they had exposed every one of the Indians' flaws in that no hitter uh, that was thrown by Carlos Rodon. Yeah, no doubt about it, Joe. And you know you you look at this series and they had a little bit of everything, like you were saying earlier. I mean, they had the weird you know the, the Chicago wins it on a deflection off of the oh, walk off the walk. We're going to call it the walk off doink. That's the uh, yeah. doink off helmet. It's a walk off doink. <laughs> the first game, then uh, you know Beaver and uh, Giolito go at, at toe to toe uh, in in game two, and uh, the Indians come away with a win in ten innings. And that uh, they get no hit the next night, and then kind of have a little uh, you know a four run pr- a four round preliminary in the first first game first inning today, and uh, the tribe gets out of town with a split. Well, and, and what does this say about how the rest of the season sets up against the White Sox? I mean, this is one of the teams that really, they're not chasing per se. Last year, uh, it showed that they were eight and two against them last year. But, you know, the, the White Sox did make changes in the offseason. They did improve in, in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of people picked the White Sox to finish ahead of the Indians. Uh, how's it going to go the rest of this season? Is this any indication? Yeah, I think it is, Joe. I mean, both teams uh, have good starting rotations. I think that's a big plus for the White Sox. We knew the Indians' rotation was solid, or, you know, it looked to be solid coming into the season. Uh, But uh, the White Sox, you know, with the addition of Lynn, you know, uh, if Rodon is back to full health, uh, you know, so you get Keuchel, Rodon, uh, Lynn, and uh, I'm missing somebody. um, Yeah. Dylan Cease. And, uh, and Giolito, yeah. Uh, Giolito. So, Dylan Cease just went on the uh, the injured list, too. And then, you know, both teams have solid bullpens, you know, hard-thrown bullpens. Um, and uh, I think uh, you, if you look at defensively, you know, both teams, you know, both teams, you know, we finally saw Chicago. Chicago doesn't play de- good defense. They had played for three games. It, it really didn't hurt them, but it, you know, it kind of, re- it hurt them today. You know, right. that double air on Abreu, they were kicking it around a little bit. And uh, the Indians outfield is still, you know, a frightening thing. And so is their offense. We just, <laughs> we just don't know about the offense. And, you know, I don't know what was going on in that, that one ball that fell between uh, uh, Jimenez, uh, Gamble and, and Eddie Rosario. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion. I, I from from my vantage point, uh, Gamble was was really deep, and yeah, he was pulled over to right he was field. Really deep on the play, and Jimenez had to run a long way. And once he got to a certain point, I think he was, you know, sort of trying to let one of the outfielders get it first. Yeah, uh, he didn't want to have to make a play if he didn't didn't want he didn't have to. So uh, again, yeah, we we saw this was the you know, sort of the, the quintessential up and down game for a, a rookie like Jimenez. He, you know, he made some really great plays. He made some really awful plays and he had a couple of hits. Yeah, that's a great point. I was thinking the same thing. We're seeing a young shortstop, you know, he makes the error late. He, you know, he, he doesn't track that ball out, out to a shallow uh, uh, left center field or he loses sight of it. I, I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but, you know, he, and like you said, he had the ground rule double in front of uh, Ramirez for the, uh, you know, that gave him the lead that, that uh, gave him what a two, one lead that, right. you know, they held on to. 
Right. And I, I think you can live with some of those mistakes, but the one in the ninth inning was the one that, that absolutely yeah. can't happen because, uh, you know, a, a different team, uh, you know, a different situation. And, you know, you you might be looking at a tie ball game there uh, if, you know, he kicks another ball like that. Uh, so, uh, and that's not something we expect out of Andres Jimenez. Everything that we have seen so far and had, had heard uh, up until now was fundamentally he makes every play. And, and that was just uh, sort of a lapse there. Yeah. And I, I don't know if, you know, he, you're right. He was in the middle of everything. He was in the middle of the, you know, the scuffle in the first inning. And, and I don't know if that shook him up. I, I doubt it. I mean, yeah. But, uh, you know, but then he had kind of the, the two, two, two tough plays. And you're right, Joe, good, great, good teams. You know, they were lucky. You, you rarely get out of, out of dodge after you make two errors or two misplays in the late innings in a close game without it coming back to hurt you. And they, they did score the one run on them, uh, you know, from the triple on the triple in the ninth. But, right. uh, but you know, they were fortunate. Yeah. So where are the Indians as they head into Cincinnati? Well, they're in first place in the division, right? Yeah. You know, they're even in the series season series with Chicago. Uh, They head to Cincinnati and, and, you know, Cincinnati is a very beatable team. Yeah. Uh, They've they've played very, very well down there, Joe. They've won 11 of their last 14 games at uh, the great American ballpark. Uh, You know, it's a great place to hit. Uh, maybe it'll be a little warmer than it was in Chicago and uh, help those bats warm up uh, like the, you know, that like the series against uh, the Detroit in, in Cleveland before they, they hit the Windy City. All right. Well, bring a blanket uh, for the press box if you need one. Uh, we will be back with you again uh, next week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, we'll talk to you later.